1: Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So,
2: can we cut the cake now?
1: You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio.
3: Good afternoon and welcome. Today, the provincial liberals are in the spotlight and not in a good way. Two corruption trials involving the party are set to begin, Premier Kathleen Wynne has a summons and a court date for her testimony in a top aides bribery trial. Our listeners will remember the saga of the nomination of Glenn Tebow, now the energy minister. He ran in Sudbury. The charge is that the incumbent who wanted to run again was bribed to move aside, or offered a bribe. Meanwhile, also next week, two of former Ontario Premier Dalton McGuinty's top staffers are set to go on trial for breach of trust and mis After a police investigation into the deletion of emails about the Liberals' decision to cancel two gas plants... Before the 2011 election, at a cost of up to $1.1 billion. All of this seven months before the next provincial election, with the Liberals' polling numbers way in the basement. Uh, we'd like to hear what you think of this, if it's going to affect your vote, or is it a little too soon to do that? 416 360 0740, toll free 1 740 4740. Right now, To unpack it all, we have Robin Sears, a political commentator and principal with the Ernst Cliff Strategy Group, and Dr. Lauren Bozanoff, president and CEO of Forum Research. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Good
4: morning, Libby. Hi, Libby. Uh,
3: Hi. Uh, So let's start with you, Robin. Uh, What do you think that the next week means in terms of the Liberals' popularity?
4: Well, you know, Libby, I guess I would characterize political scandals is coming in basically two flavors, the flash bomb grenade flavor, where instant destruction is meted out quickly, and the slow-burning prairie fire flavor, which is more common, and the damage takes longer to be inflicted. We've seen both in Ontario. Um, You know, going way, way back, we had the uh, scandals around Mr. Davis's fundraising in 1970, which led to the first Election Expenses Act. They survived it, but it probably hurt them in 75 and 77. Then we had the Patty Starr scandal a decade later, uh, which didn't hurt the liberals much in 87, but probably contributed to Bob Ray's victory in 1990. So those are both examples of the slow-burning kind. I think this probably falls into that category, unless there's some stunning revelation that comes out at either of these trials, which have been pretty much foreshadowed in the media and elsewhere for quite a while, so I'm not sure I'd hold my breath for that. So, I think the damage is likely to be more cumulative and long term than instant. And if that's the case, the Liberals probably can stumble through.
3: Uh, Lauren Bozanoff, uh, there was a point where it looked like Kathleen wins and the Liberals' popularity was starting to recover a bit. But according to your latest poll, I mean, it, it's pretty bad. Uh, I think something like 18% of the respondents think she's doing a good job.
5: Yeah, her, her approval ratings are really, uh, are really low, but, you know, we have to remember Dalton McGinty had, had low approval ratings and did get reelected and almost got reelected the last time, too. So it's not a, a given, but, of course, it's not a
4: good thing to be that low in terms of approval ratings. And, and Lauren, uh, as you know, a personal approval for the leader is often a foreshadow of partisan choice. So I mean, it is a troubling number for them nonetheless.
5: No, it's, it's not good, and um, she's probably a drag on, on the party and the brand and everything else, so it's not a good thing, and, 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 and as, as low as McGinty got, these are even lower. He, he, he got down to the, the mid to low 20s, and she's in the, twi- in the teens, so we, we've never had a case like this.
3: And uh, I, I believe uh, it, it's been a very long time, if at all, when we've had a sitting premier, you know, testify.
4: I can't remember an occasion. You're right. Um, I know that David Peterson and Bill Davis gave private testimony to investigative teams in those two scandals, but I don't think they have either of them testified publicly.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, what about the gas plant trial? I mean, that's uh, dredging up something that everybody thought would have sunk the liberals uh, in a previous election, but they managed to weather it by changing the leader.
4: I think it's it's a good example of the cumulative damage impact of of scandals in government. You know, the Mulroney government federally lost—I don't remember how many—thirteen, fifteen cabinet ministers over eight years, some incredible number. The first half dozen or so didn't really matter. Um, you know, losing six cabinet ministers to paraphrase Churchill is, is bad luck. Losing a dozen is uh, very bad form, um, and that hurt them in in uh, in '93. Um, I think that the gas plant thing just sits out there like a stink bomb waiting to be revived because it is such an egregious failure of governance.
3: Uh, Lauren Bozanoff, do you see the impact uh, over the long term of events like that?
5: Well, this is going to remind everybody about that scandal, and it's going to come back up and, and, and be discussed. And, you know, this is pretty much... Just about not completely, but just about the worst time for the Liberals, because they are now going into the pre-election period, and at some point, you know they're dead last in the polls are at twenty five percent in terms of voting intentions, so so they're in, they're in third place. at some point, they need to turn this around. You know people say, "Well, it's seven months to go, that's a long time, et cetera. But we've been saying that you know for the last uh, six months or even longer, and you know uh, the legislature's coming back. If you know the liberals need to 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 do something to to take to take some of the steam out of uh, Patrick uh, Brown's uh, wind right now, and they won't be able to do that because everyone's going to focus on the liberals, and rather than being on the attack or trying to be on the attack and and, and going after Patrick Brown, they're going to be on the defense, explaining uh, what's going on in the trial, and even if the trial, even if the Sudbury trial ends in uh, in a so-called acquittal. That that could be seen by the public, to be a technicality. Um, But the the whole idea, I mean, just people who listen to to the tape or whatever, um, it's going to give a very bad impression. So in the court of public opinion, the deliverers could be found guilty.
4: I think that's a very good point, Lauren. I mean, I think this is one of those very painful situations for people in politics where being given an innocent or a not guilty verdict by a judge in no way removes the stain that you've acquired politically in the eyes of the public. Um, Mike Duffy, I guess, would be a a good example more recently at the federal level. And I think that the challenge for them is that on the left, the Horvath people are going to be saying, look, they stole all our policy agenda, and they're trying to claim that these were their ideas. Everybody knows they're ours. You can get them with us without the corruption if you vote NDP. And on on the right, Brown is going to be saying, um, not only are they corrupt, they waste money, and we're very good at fiscal management. If you care about that, vote for us. So they've got a, a sort of double, uh, a two-front war on their reputation to manage in what is actually a very narrow time frame. I mean, we're talking now about weeks between now and Christmas, a dead period, and then weeks before a pre-election period at the end of the winter, spring of next year. That's really not a long time.
3: Um, I'd like to give the numbers out again because I'd like to hear from our listeners on this. And an impression that I had, and it was really brief, that uh, right when people started to see that little bit of relief on their hydro bills, uh, they seemed to be very briefly less negative on Kathleen Wynne, on the Liberals, but that uh, th- they moved back to that pretty quickly. So- The numbers to call with uh, your opinion on whether these two trials, either they are confirming your idea that you think it's time to get rid of the Liberals or you are going to overlook it uh, and you're going to vote Liberal or it's going to have no bearing whatsoever. I want to hear what the situation is. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 740 I am on the line with Robert, Robin Sears, who is a strategist, and with Lauren Bozanoff, who is a pollster. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the NDP and Andrea Horvath, and she is currently the most personally popular leader. Uh, but that doesn't always seem to play into a, a vote. Robin, how do you see that?
4: Well, Ed Broadbent was number one in popularity federally in 1988 and uh, ended up uh, not being the prime minister, as we all know. You're absolutely right. But I think this is perhaps a little different than the normal cases of an opposition leader leading the, the premier or the prime minister for two reasons. One, it's very hard for me to understand, and Lauren, I'd be intrigued in your insights into this, why the animus is directed so Personally, at Kathleen Wynne, given that she was such a unifying and popular figure personally at a very bad time at the end of the McGuinty era, that seems to have completely evaporated and become quite contemptuous of her almost as a person, in addition to being unhappy with her role as a political leader. And secondly, it's gone on for so long. I mean, this has been a decline that began. 18, 24 months ago, that's also quite unusual. I, I, I can't explain it. You, you
5: know what, she um, you know, we, we, we don't see the intensity in these numbers, so when we say she has an 18% approval rating and, and so forth, we don't know the intensity of that, and, and the disapproval is at 73%, and you're right, I think it is very intense. And uh, it is a mystery why that is so 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 intense. You're right. She she, she she did decline very quickly after the election. Her numbers started going down within a year there and in, in, in pretty bad shape. So it happened pretty quickly. Um, but I don't think she connects that well. You know, you look at John Tory, who's out and about meeting just about every every, every group in the city that you can think of. You think of uh, Justin Trudeau. There seems to be excitement wherever he pops up, whether it's in a cave in in Quebec or it's on the beach in B.C. or whatever, and Um, but when Kathleen Wynne shows up, I don't know that there's any excitement. I don't know that people really get excited when when she's around, and I think that's part of it. She's just not connecting with with the public.
4: I guess an additional ingredient, Libby, might be that when you fail on people's expectations, which I think Mr. Trump is going to discover very painfully, very quickly, the collapse and the venom of people's sense of betrayal is that much greater than if they were sort of mildly persuaded about you at the beginning, so you're Failure of expectations is not so real. I think there are a lot of people in Ontario who thought, this is a different kind of leader. This is a different kind of liberal. Right. I'm really happy to have her in that chair. They're the ones, I think, who feel the most distressed and the most angry.
3: Okay. Um, I'm going to take some calls. I also want to get into the, the demographics of the support, which which I think are quite interesting. But uh, let's hear from a few of our listeners. First, we've got Alex in East York. Hi, Alex. Hi, good, af- uh, good afternoon. Um, yeah, I noticed we couldn't help but get a little dig in against Donald Trump there. Well
1: played. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'll be voting anyone but liberal, which I have for a while, and I have no personal animus against Kathleen Wynn. Uh, I think maybe part of her problem is she looks like everybody's grandmother. And I think for a younger Democrat— Oh, I do
3: not—I <laughs> don't think so. She, she would—I don't know how old you are, but she's a runner. She, she, would, she would, you know, uh, well, I'm, I'm grind you into theory, the ground.
1: So, so yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't agree with their policies, their profligate spending. And, and here's the thing. They have lied several times, and they've been caught, and they still get voted in with majorities. So, do I think the liberals are going to win the next election? Absolutely, I do. Really? Do I think they're going to have a majority? Absolutely, I do. Will I be weeping at that? Absolutely, I will. But it seems like they can do anything. You could have pictures of the leading liberal playing golf naked with Saddam Hussein and Satan, and they still
4: get a majority of government.
3: <laughs> I, I, I would, I don't like you know,
4: that image. I can't even think about it.
3: Okay. Yes, that's you're giving us very, very bad visual images, Alex. Thanks for your call. Hey, bye. Uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, in NBC, it looked like the same thing uh, was true, and uh, this time it didn't work. Christy Clark is gone.
4: Well, the parallels are very clear, I think, uh, in, in those two cases, Libby. It's, it, there was a very deep personal hostility towards Christy Clark towards the end, and um, I think that is a little more explicable because she was such a hard-edged partisan premier. Um, I don't think one can accuse Kathleen Wynne of, of that so much. Uh, failure on policy, failure in communication, presentation, yes, but, you know, being a really nasty partisan gut puncher, I don't think that's true but that certainly was christy clark to a t
3: well it was interesting because i think that kathleen Wynn imported some of christy clark's people and she did. that helped her win yeah. win
4: <laughs> including one of the defendants And the trials about to take place
3: oh well there you go <laughs> anyway let's uh let's get back to the phones we've got bill in caledon hi bill oh hi how are you today fine how are you
1: i'm pretty good thank you um, I did want to make a comment uh, with respect to uh, the uh, energy minister um, and that involvement with the, um, uh, the plants that were cancelled, uh, that the Liberals cancelled. Um, at this point in time, I think everyone in this country is bent over uh, with exorbitant fuel cost, and we have no gas plant or no way of making our own fuel here. I have a feeling that's going to come up again.
3: Well, we have too, too much fuel, <laughs> and we're getting rid of it, and we're paying through the nose for it. Uh, well, is we, this going to change your vote, Bill?
1: You know, I've been liberal, federal, and provincial my whole life. Um, I kind of held my nose a little bit uh, when Kathleen Wynn ran, but I did vote for her. Um, I will wait to hear all the explanations and, and be very open-minded as to, you know, what's said at that point in time, but right now... Uh, cost of fuel, and a few other things that are happening, cost of hydro. Uh, I am retired, and I feel every pinch. I will be looking twice this time around.
3: So you may not vote liberal even though you're a liberal. Am I getting that right?
1: That's sounding like it right now, yes. Okay. I mean, again, I'm objective. I listen to what people have to say, especially when the election begins and as it progresses. Um, but what's going on in Sudbury right now might very well be very interesting if anything comes out or is permitted to come out.
3: Okay, Bill, thank you very much for that.
1: Thank you. Have a great day.
3: You too. Uh, so, guys, how many, uh, you know, died in the wool liberal voters have to turn on them for, for it to make an impact?
4: Oh, not many at all, depending on where they are and, and how close the three parties are at the riding level. I, I mean, I think that caller's... Ambivalence is sort of the yin yang message for the liberals. They could probably persuade him if they could figure out how to overwhelm his unhappiness about the things that he cares about, but it's a stiff hill to climb because his going in position is highly skeptical.
5: But, uh, <clears throat> Robin, what do you think about the fact that they're like 15 years in government and there's so much political baggage and people just and get tired of seeing the same people on tv the same cabinet ministers the the same party and it just develops into a, a sense of it's time for a change and people don't even know what what the change is or what it should yes. be but they uh, just like we don't have a lot of governments i don't think that have been in office in in, in recent years that that length of time
4: and I the challenge they now
5: have of putting a new face on everything
4: uh, ten years and out is sort of the rule that that We follow in political life as a a rough game plan, you know, two and a half mandates, roughly. Um, And so they're they're past their sell-by date in terms of that uh, formula for sure. And I think in Ontario that you can always bring back the memory of the 37 years of Tory rule and say, we don't want to go back to that, do we guys? The alternation in democracy is a powerful part of the strength of our system.
3: Okay, let's go back to the phones. We've got Jay in Kitchener. Hi, Jay. Hi there. you're on the air go ahead
2: yes uh i'm a, a liberal voter and I think i'm i don't I definitely don't like what's happening and what's what's going on but the big reason is I still have not seen anything from the other two parties. What am I going to go as an alternative what what are they offering me to change my vote like I heard one of the panelists saying.
0: You know, like, come
2: Christmas, that would be a dead time, and then just after that, we have a few more weeks before we get into the you know, pre-election and all this thing. Well, it's the same for the other two parties, and I don't see anything, I do not see anything being offered by either of those two parties that would make, and I don't, I, I want a change, but I don't see them giving me anything great.
3: Well, the, the okay. liberals, the liberals uh, are giving you basically uh, an NDP platform.
2: That's that's right, um, and I mean the way, the, the way it is is, is uh, who is going to pay for it? But you but know, sir, like I think it's a little unfair. Being to the what party. is being offered is then where is the cost? And I don't see Patrick Brown coming out with a with where sort of the cost is or who's going to pay for some of these. Of the few ideas that they have come out with.
3: Go ahead, Robin. Uh,
4: Uh, I think you're being a little unfair to the opposition party, sir, if I may. Um, You should make that judgment a little closer to election day rather than now, because they're obviously not letting all of their um, cats out of the bag this early for them to either be attacked or stolen by somebody else, and Ontario voters are very lucky. We are one of the few provinces in Canada where there are three very clearly delineated policy choices available to voters every time. You have the social democratic vision of the NDP, the more centrist vision of the liberals, the more socially and fiscally conservative vision of the conservatives. And they will detail programs and planks that outline each of those places on the political spectrum very clearly before Election Day. And then you'll be able to make a choice.
3: Okay, let's uh, move right along. Jack in Mississauga. Hi, Jack. Hey, how you doing? Fine, how are you?
5: Good. Okay, well, I would never... Uh, vote for the liberal people um there's just too many bad things happening there like no end to our money um and i think that uh, like even this patrick brown fellow um yeah conservative whatever but you know you have to watch because a lot of these guys are sort of like voting for things like this motion 103 and everything so you really don't know where to go no more i mean there's nothing good no more
3: Okay, well, uh, I think take Robin's advice and wait till the election. Yep. Thanks Thanks hi. for your call. Steve in Mississauga, hi. hi good Steve, day. are you there? Indeed. Hello?
2: What can I say?
3: You're yeah. on the air. Yes, hello. Hello, go ahead.
2: What can I say? Uh, with Robin Sears, I happen to be on the same page at the same time. Yeah, there are certain realities. What can I say? Wouldn't it be nice if we stopped with the idealism? And I don't know how, how. How is it, Robin, that we could make it more practical? What do you suggest, sir?
3: Are Steve before we let Robin answer? Are you a liberal? Do you usually vote liberal?
2: I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to anybody uh, offhand. I've never been. Uh, I've never paid a nickel to anybody's. Uh, no.
3: Okay. Um, Thanks for your call. Um, We have to start wrapping things up because uh, we are out of time. Uh, Callers, remember, tomorrow is a free-for-all Friday. If you didn't have a chance to get on, please call back tomorrow. We can continue this conversation or, frankly, any conversation you like. And I'm going to go back to our panelists for a final word. Uh, Robin, you first.
4: Well, in response to the last caller, more generally, Libby, I would say – Uh, governing is about decision-making, and voters uh, have the same obligation. They have to look at what is on offer, what they care about most, and who they judge to be the most competent and believable to deliver it for them, and then make a choice. and I think there will be very clear choices for them to make. And I, I hope everybody steps up and makes them.
3: Okay, that's right. We want people to vote. Lauren Bozanoff, uh, what would you like to leave a- us with? What is going to be the deciding factor? Is it going to be fatigue of a party that's been in power too long, trials, cumulative, and uh, demographics?
5: You know, I think it's going to be a bit of all of that and, and really in and pocketbook issues on top of all those other things. Um, you know... It's good to look at the polls right now, but we are seven months away, and we say these votes are parked. So, yes, the Tories are ahead, but those are parked votes. Um, I don't know if they're that solid. So, um, you know, the, the election will be up for grabs. It will be a competition of ideas, and everything we've talked about today will, will be part of that competition.
3: Okay. Thank you so much to Robin Sears of Ernst Cliff Strategy Group and Dr. Lauren Bozanoff, President and CEO of Foreign Research. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Libby.
1: Thank you. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.